You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. It is good to be back in the studio time. Not that there's anything wrong with being on the road time. That's that's part of the business time. But it is nice to have all the trappings of being home time. Also nice to uh, be a Tennessee football or basketball fan these days time. Or baseball fan time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Wednesday night. We will also release this on a Wednesday night. Coming to you from uh, God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, right here in Old North Knoxville, Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple of miles, 1.9 miles away, I believe, from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee uh, took care of business in a big way. The eighth-ranked Vols just throttled Mississippi State on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a game that I think we all thought Tennessee would win. Don't know that anyone predicted it would be won quite that easily, but uh, there there you go, 87-53, to 53, and it felt like it wasn't even that close. So we got a lot of hoops to discuss on this one. We're going to have a lot more uh, for the football offseason, obviously, as we go along. There's a lot of stuff to discuss about that after the, the Orange Bowl where Tennessee took care of business against Clemson, certainly a big Big finish for the Vols to end a really, really big season. Also, lots of portal news, portal, 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 that we will have to keep you up to date on as uh, as this thing progresses because, remember, that door swings both ways. Tennessee's going to have some guys leave. It's going to have some guys uh, come into the program, uh, and we'll have a lot to discuss about all that uh, later this week, moving on into future weeks and all that. But for this episode, we do badly need to get caught up on Tennessee basketball. And to do that, you know where we're going. We're going uh, down to uh, Ben McKee's house, and we're going to get to Ben McKee. Ben, what is up, my man? Not a whole lot. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. It's uh, it's uh, nice. The the uh, That uh, ridiculous weather front from yesterday moved through, so uh, it's been nice and a little bit drier today. 64 degrees here in January. You can't complain about that. Uh, it's uh, been a been a nice day. How was uh, how was your Wednesday to this point? It, it's it's been fine. Trying to get caught up on Tennessee's big win over Mississippi State. I agree with what you said. Didn't really see that performance coming. Offensively, the defensive performance was to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mississippi State not a very good offensive team. That they, they have one really good offensive player in Tolu Smith. He he's a a preseason All-SEC member uh, as a forward, and Tennessee was able to hold him in check. Nine points, two rebounds, and and three turnovers. Uh, so you, you understood that Tennessee was going to play well defensively. I, I did not see 87 points coming, <laughs> though, uh, not not only because the, the Tennessee offense had not played that well to, to expect that to this point in the season, uh, but also Mississippi State had a good defense. Six, yeah, went, went, went into the game six nationally, I think, Ken Palm in defense. Yep, only allowing 54.5 points per game, which was, uh, I believe, seventh nationally, and uh, only two opponents 
this season had scored at least 60 points and Tennessee had 47 points in the first half. So uh, a, a lot of things went well. You're, you're going to have games to, to where no shots are falling. You're also going to have games to where everything is falling. And last night was one of those nights where uh, everything was falling for Tennessee and, and, that that's not going to be something that they do every single night. I mean, they shot a uh, a percentage of sixty nine percent, nice, nice, uh, in, in which is the fourth best shooting percentage in the history of the program. So uh, Tennessee is not going to do what they did against Mississippi State every single night. But I've been preaching for weeks that I thought they were much better offensively than they had been displaying, and I think once they can find that happy medium. Uh, and find a level of consistency with it, this team is going to be really, really hard to beat. Yeah, it felt like to me like it was one of those days where where a baseball team maybe goes out there and scores like 12 or 13 runs in a game, and you're sitting there going, man, guys, say some for tomorrow. Like, you know, space this out. Space this out a little bit because uh, it was one of those games. They happen a few times per year for most teams, especially good teams. They have – um, I don't. There's not a nice way to say it on a family-friendly podcast, but they're they're called fu games. Is basically what they're called. Uh, when you go out there and no matter who you're playing, you're gonna make every shot you put up, and no matter who it is, you're gonna beat them. It's just just one of those games, Ben. It just felt like they just weren't gonna lose that game. It did, uh, and again, it was just everything coming together uh, at the right time. Uh, we, we talked about it early in the season with, with some of the offensive inconsistencies. And, and I thought it was more of unforeseen circumstances rather than that being Tennessee's ceiling offensively. I, I didn't think Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler were going to struggle to, to shoot the basketball for the entirety of the season, uh, like the way that they started Agreed. the season. And you've seen them get going. The last several games, uh, Santi's shoulder is feeling better. Uh, you, you still need more from Tyreek Key and, and Julian Phillips offensively, but uh, it, it seems like Phillips is, is starting to bounce back from hitting that freshman wall that, that he did there for a couple of games. And uh, Tyreek Key only took five shots, but he came out firing. So I, I think that's a good step in the right direction for a guy that needs to shoot more moving forward. And, and you're seeing Olivier Camois start to find a little bit of consistency Tobe Awaka and, and Jonas Adu are developing at a, a fairly quick pace I, I think quicker than I would have expected and for different reasons th- those two guys are are good basketball players but but good basketball players for much different reasons uh, and they just kind of gel well together Jonas told the media after the Ole Miss game that it's it's just kind of like magnets they they just connect for for whatever reason, hot and cold, whatever. They just connect, and um, you, you're starting to see Josiah get back in the fold. I'm very optimistic about Josiah and being back in the fold uh, these next couple of weeks after he's now trying a couple of different things to to make sure he he stays on the court. So you're starting to see it come together. Tennessee's offense wasn't supposed to be what it was what it was the last month or two of the season it's supposed to be at its best uh, a month from now as it gets into to March because we know that this team is ultimately going to be judged by what it does in March and it feels like the Mississippi State game was a, a great step in that direction of, of being where it needs to be when it matters most yeah I'm still not quite as I don't want to say not not optimistic because I am optimistic generally speaking about Josiah Jordan James in that knee and, and I think it, it's 
it was good for him. He he didn't certainly didn't need to do it, but he came out and sort of explained that he started taking a different medication, uh, and that that's helped him with with pain tolerance. But you know, a lot of that stuff maybe it's just because he was in he offered so much detail about it. But for me, it's like I'm I don't want to say I'm in a holding pattern, but I'm a little bit um, cautious about that situation because I to me that seems like something that's bound to flare up again at some point. May, hopefully, it it, it won't. Um, but you know, and, and I know that he's physically tough enough to handle that. Um, he, if it's just a pain tolerance issue, that's no problem. I think it's a, are you making things worse for the future? Kind of that, that's where maybe you get into a bit of a problem or does it affect him where he's not good enough or comfortable enough to help the team? Um, because that's what he cares about more than anything. But, but I think it, it, it's, I'm not pessimistic about it, but I am a little bit cautious because I, I just wonder with a situation like that, it's great to see him back. Long may it rain, but I I, I just don't know. Uh, I just I'm just not sure because this thing has flared up so many times now, and I'm not sure they've ever really gone into total specifics. Not that they need to uh, about what exactly is wrong with it, um, but because they, they made it seem like it was just kind of a minor tweak in the off season, a little bit of a cleanup procedure or something. Obviously, seems a little bit worse than that. So whatever it's been, it's good that he's back. Hopefully, he stays back. Uh, because you saw when when he came back, I mean, the, the deal was to bring him back when he actually felt good enough to go, and you see some of the, re, the 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 benefits to that because he came back and it was like he never left. Right, he missed his first couple of shots, but they weren't bad shots. They just kind of danced around the rim and fell off, and then uh, he started making shots. Made a cup, made a three, uh, had a nice dunk in transition with Zakai Ziegler there. That little two man break they had. Uh, and defensively, he did what he always does. So uh, in, in terms of taking care of the ball, being a good two-way player, he just kind of went right back to being what he was, which, again, even for the Colorado game, they knew he didn't feel very good in that game. But he tried to play, and he played well. He was one of the only guys who played well in that game. So when he has played, he's played well, and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. You, you want Josiah Jordan-James on the floor. He, he is one of the best all-around players in the entire country not not just this conference but he he is one of the best two-way players in the entire country and and I know uh he polarizing may be too strong of a word to use but I'll, I'll use it anyways for lack of a better phrase off the top of my head sure he's been polarizing to the fans because he arrived as a five-star and uh it, it hasn't always been five-star level production and, and more of that has been when you look at the the box score and see how many points he scored or, or did not score. But he's a guy that's battled several injuries throughout the course of his career. And when he's been fully healthy, he shot the ball well. And you, you saw that last year kind of starts the year with a, a thumb injury, if I remember correctly. And, and it took him several weeks to, to kind of move on from it. And when he did move on from it, I mean, he was absolute money from the perimeter. Uh, he, he he is the reason, one of the reasons, one of the key reasons Tennessee was able to make that offensive run the second half of the season the, the way that it did. But my point is that he just does so much more than score the basketball. Josiah could not score a, a single point for the rest of the season. But but if he could be out there for 20, 25, 30 minutes a game to, to provide what he does from an on-court leadership standpoint, you – I, I wish fans could see Josiah not necessarily conduct practice because he's not a coach, but in a way he conducts practice because he's talking just as much as Rick Barnes 
and, and picking his brain and bouncing ideas and asking questions and Rick listens and, and making op- observations. He he is he's an on the court coach. I know that kind of gets thrown around a ton, but he is truly an on the field or on the court uh, coach, and that is that is so valuable in a, of itself. And that that's not even getting getting into how elite of a defender he is. He, he can guard one through four easy, and he can guard the five if you needed him to in a pinch. He, he can rebound. He can pass. He, he is a great facilitator. Uh, he, he blocks shots. He, he can get up and, and get it at the rim offensively, and, and now he's developed into a really good shooter when he's healthy. He, he's just such a terrific basketball player, and I, I, I thought last night was a, a great step for Tennessee basketball as a whole, because I do think that this roster at this rate, the way that it is developing, the way the post is developing, uh, the the way that I think Tyreek Key and Julian Phillips w- will be playing by the time March rolls around, this is a team that has the makings of a, a Final Four Elite Eight team. It, it absolutely does. Will, will they do it? We'll, we'll see. They, they have a lot to prove in March, as we all know. But Josiah Jordan-James, if they were to reach – that a final four or an elite eight josiah jordan james has to be a big piece of it and i i do essentially agree with what you're saying wes i am kind of in a i'll believe it when i see it mode in terms of josiah playing several games in a row he's just gonna have to go out there and, and do it but it did seem genuine not that it didn't seem genuine the first time around i think they were still and when i say they i, I say josiah uh, strength coach Garrett Medenwall, the trainer Chad Newman, Rick Barnes, the coaching staff. I, th- I think they were all kind of confused as to why he was still dealing yes. with the pain in his knee. And, and I feel like they've truly found a solution and, and have implemented a plan that is truly working. And, and that's uh, working on the, the body parts around the knee because he said that it, it would be when he would land it is when he would feel the most discomfort so he's worked on glute activation yeah glute there was no way we weren't going to say glute activation in this podcast Oh, absolutely if if we get an opportunity to say glute activation we're we're definitely using it but he has been activating his glutes and he he said that he didn't feel like his glutes were strong enough Uh, and he also said that he needed to strengthen his hamstrings and he's hoping that 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 is going to to take some pressure away when, when his body does land on the floor and he's he, and he's on some new medicine this week he said uh, and he hasn't felt any pain since the medicine uh and, and look in practice on monday he tried to dunk on one of his teammates and, and when when i saw that a i noticed he was a full participant but b when i saw him try to dunk on one of his teammates i said okay th- this Josiah is different and then fast forward to tuesday night and he showed a lot of bounce in pregame warm-ups he, he was throwing down some big time dunks uh, in, in pregame warmups, uh, and then you, you see him in the game catch a lob from uh, Zakai, and, and he looked good. He, he looked like his, his old self. So he's going to have to build his minutes up, Wes. But I, I'm more encouraged about the potential of this Tennessee basketball team moving forward because Josiah appears to be back in the fold long term, and you just cannot underestimate the value of that. Yeah, I'm guessing, and and uh, I, it would have to be a guess because I'm not intelligent enough, or I don't know for sure, and I'm not qualified enough to answer it. I do think I, I wonder if it's some sort of a different anti-inflammatory that he got, or something that that helps bring that swelling down, and some other things. Regardless, whatever it is, it seems to be working. And 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 I did want to hit really quickly on on what Ben said about Josiah at practice because 
one of the neat things about covering a Rick Barnes Tennessee basketball program is you do get to see a fair amount of practice throughout the year. Whenever you want, you like you, it's not like we're there every day. We're in film sessions and all that, but we do get to go and we get to go watch full practices. And you get to see a lot of things from that. First off, uh, you know, we're not leaking everything we see. So coaches don't have to be so paranoid all the freaking time. Uh, you, you know, sometimes you can just let us see stuff. Those of us who cover the team really, and, and you can trust us to, to see that we're going to be careful with what we say. But, um, and I get with football why they don't do it in some cases, but in basketball, it, you know, it's different. It's all right. And what you get to see is the development of guys in different ways. And you get to watch the development when Ben talked about Josiah and the way that he speaks during practice, you get to watch because when you're like a freshman at Tennessee, even sometimes you're a sophomore, you better be careful when you speak up. You you better it better be you know speak when you're spoken to unless you've got something definitely to say that everybody's going to have to hear. You, you tend to be more careful, and and Rick's not going to deal with much of it. When you get older, though, you you see that change. And like by the end of, for instance, Lamonte Turner's career, by the end of Lamonte Turner's career, he and Rick were almost like co-coaches out on the floor during practice. And he would listen to anything Lamonte had to say because Lamonte had earned the right in his mind, excuse me, in his mind to speak up. And what's interesting to me about Josiah is Josiah got to that point with Barnes about as quickly as any player I can recall. He got to that point, and maybe we'll see if Phillips stays around long enough. He might get there that quickly too. Um, but but Josiah got to a point really quickly with Rick where he would listen to him and be like, all right, well, what did you see? Why, why are we doing this? And he would say, Josiah, why are we doing this? And Josiah would say, we're doing this because of this. And he would say, okay, that's fine. Whereas if a freshman had done that, it would have been a whole different story. So that's the value of having someone. And when you have him and Vescovy out there together, those two – Make the when those two are out there together, they're forty percent of the rotation, and they make life so easy for the other sixty percent of that rotation because those two guys not only do they know where they need to be, they know where you need to be, and they can either pass you to that spot or direct you to that spot or tell you to get to that spot. And if you're a little bit off, they'll adjust what they're doing to match it. There are so many things. It's it's kind of like Ben. It's kind of like the same stuff that I think a lot of us said throughout the year with football about like Princeton Fant and Jacob Warren. The stuff they do in that offense, even when they don't put up big numbers, allows Tennessee to do what it does offensively because the quarterback still has to see the field, deliver the ball. He still has to. He's still running the show. Line still got to block. Receiver still got to catch the ball. Back still got to run. But those guys can line up anywhere and do any number of things, and they can do it quickly, and they always execute. They always know what they're supposed to do, and most of the time they do it. And that makes life so easy for the people around you when they know that you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it well. And what those guys offer to Tennessee, that, that's the reason why Barnes said, and I think he's right, Ben, when he said, look, if Vescovy's really back for good now, if Josiah's really back for good now, wait and see how the offense develops around these guys. Because these guys, when you talk about maybe Tennessee needs to be a little bit better at the one spot at times or more consistent, you know, a little more depth, when you have guys like Josiah and Santi out there together, you don't worry about that as much because you have two guys who you know can handle the ball and you know can run the offense and initiate the offense. And they can shoot, 
and they can rebound and they can pass it and they'll go play defense. So it just, to me, let's see where this thing goes now, because if these guys are both back and they're really back, Ben, I think that changes a lot of things. Oh, it, it, it absolutely does. Uh, as, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, t- Tennessee was not going to be all season offensively. What, what they were displaying at the time. I, I didn't know that it was a top 15 type of offense at, at the end of the day when, when the season is over. I still don't know yeah, um, that, that that's going to happen. But I, I do think it's a, a top 20, top 25, top 30 level offense. And, and that's really good. That That is that's a good offense. Uh, if you can produce top 25 ish level efficiency numbers and you pair that with the the best defense in the country from a statistical standpoint, and you're going to win a lot of basketball games. So uh, that that's why I was always pumping the brakes on, on, on freaking out. Yes. As I mentioned, the, the offense was not fun to watch for, for several games. It, it was not fun to watch against Ole Miss. Uh, it, it was not fun to watch uh, against Maryland. It, it was not fun to watch at times against Arizona, uh, even down in the Bahamas. Uh, although I don't necessarily think the offense played poorly. There, there were stretches where it was not fun to, to watch the offense. Uh, that that was never going to be the final product. And, and even uh, I, I know last night was somewhat of a historic outing. Even last night's not going to be uh, the, the final product either because it, it was a flurry from the jump. T- Tennessee just absolutely blitzed Mississippi State, and there was nothing – that Mississippi State could do last night that was going to help them. It, 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 was, it was the FU game. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't going to. They weren't going to lose. Correct. So I look. I I don't at all think Tennessee's going to average eighty-seven points a game. But it, this is an offense that, at its best, I, I think can be in, in the seventies routinely. And when when you pair that production with, with a defense that is going to make it hard on opponents to get to sixty on most nights. Tennessee's going to have a chance to win any game that it plays. It, it already did have a chance to win in, in any game that it plays because Tennessee is one of the best teams in the country. It's, it's just a matter of how good are they. And, and I think if the offense continues to to improve the way that we think that it can or the way that I think that it can, I mean, I, this is truly a Final Four Elite Eight level team. And then, again, they'll, they'll have to go out and prove it. A lot can happen in March, but – there is that potential on the table, as I think that we all knew. But I think Tuesday night was also a nice reminder. And as encouraged as I am about Josiah and his impact on this team and, and how I think if Tennessee is going to achieve those goals, it has to have Josiah because Josiah is a professional basketball player. He, he If he wants to play professional basketball, he will play for a decade. And I don't know that that's the NBA, but I'm just speaking about professional basketball in general. He, he can play. 10 to 15 years, whether that be one of the, the last people on a bench, because there will be value in, in what all he brings to the table. Teams, even in the NBA, will want him at the end of their bench because of how versatile he is. And, and even if that doesn't work out for him, he can go overseas in, in some random country and play for 10 to 15 years and probably in one of the, the better leagues overseas. Yeah, so Spain, you want that guy – you want that guy in the mix. Uh, that There's no question about it. But, Wes, I think that just as encouraging of a sign is the development of the post play. And, and I think that these guys are, are are really starting to come into their own. We'll, we'll see what it looks like w- with a month of, of sample size 
in, in conference play. Let, let, let's readdress this topic or, or question uh, as we get into February. But I like where the post is headed. I, I really do. I, I think I, I do think there's a little worry in the fact that you don't necessarily have a go-to guy. You, you don't have one guy that you know what you're going to get night in and night out. But when when you pair the three with uh, Olivier, Jonas, and Tobe, I think that's a really good trio be, because they can all chip in and, and kind of produce one result as a unit. And look, even Uroch played well against Mississippi State. Ten points. I believe he was five of five from the field. He, he set the tone for the game by winning the tip and going down and, and scoring on the first possession. And, and for Tennessee's post to perform the way that they did last night against Tolu Smith and, and a Mississippi State team that is kind of their bread and butter is in the front court, I, I think that really speaks to the development that they've already shown in this season and speaks to the fact that they can – get even better as well. Olivier can find more consistency. Tobe is a great rebounder. He's already an elite rebounder, yeah. but you're seeing his offensive game really start to find a rhythm, and that will only continue to improve. Jonas is an elite rim protector already, but now he's starting to figure out how how to rebound. And, yes, he's he's tall as all get out, but he also has a, a fragile <laughs> body that, that, he, that he's – working with he made the joke of of Tobe being this big physical specimen and how he has to kind of work with what he has and obviously he's very tall but he's also a pole out there that if if you if a physical player knocks him off off course I mean he, he's gonna go flying practically so he's had to learn how to be a, a really good rebounder despite being how tall that he is and, and he's even starting to find some offensive game as, as well so just those three specifically in the post, I think they've gotten better, Wes, and I think they're going to continue to get better. And I think that's just as important uh, of a sign uh, as Josiah coming back because the 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 offense, although it does seem like it's going to be clicking on all cylinders by the time March rolls around, Wes, the, the calling card of this team is defense, obviously, and rebounding. And they are doing those two things at an elite level. And, and if you pair a, a really productive offense with it, I mean, the Tennessee is just going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, if you played uh, two dogs, one bone with uh, Tobe Awaka and, let's say, Oscar Shibwe, uh, you'd probably uh, not expect Tobe the, to be the one to come out alive. And that's because of his body structure, right? But if you said, hey, go get the rebound, uh, if 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 if, um, if Adu can sort of get his – get his body positioned right, and he can go up there and get the ball, he, he's going to be able to go get it before just about anybody because he has that much length and that much athletic ability at that size. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to give to get, right? I mean, you can't uh, – the, there will be things that a Waka can do that Adu can't do or can't do well, and there will be things that, that Adu can do that, that a Waka can't do great or, or can't do them consistently at a high level because of their body structures and because of their games. But you put them together, and you've really got something. And I'll say this right before we go to break. I've been saying this for like three or four years now. I'm still saying it. We do not know how good Olivier Cumwa can be as a basketball player. We have seen the past two seasons when he has been given an opportunity, a lot of runway with a lot of time, and he's been healthy. He has produced some really good basketball. The, the problem was he got hurt last year. And the problem was the couple years before that, he was developing. The past couple of years, I, I, I challenge you, go back and, and watch Tennessee games early last season when Olivier Kamwa was playing before he got hurt, and then look at this season, just this season, 
in most of the games where he's been out there. He is a really good basketball player. He is not, he's only what, 6'8, 6'9, he's not 6'10, 6'11, but he can step out and shoot it. He can defend. He can he can protect the rim. He's a good rebounder when he when he needs to be. He is not a just an unbelievable basketball player. He is a much, much, much better basketball player than a lot of people think he is. When you go out there and you talk to other coaches about him, they know he's a problem. Now, if he would be consistent with it, then he would really have something. But, you know, sometimes you got to let guys play before they get there. And I think that we're starting to see now what Olivier Kumwa can be as a basketball player, and that's a really, really good college basketball player and a guy who will probably play on the Finland national team, obviously, uh, going forward. Uh, He's a guy who, at the very least, I think will play in Europe for a long time. He is a guy who is a good basketball player and will be a pro at some level. We're just, and I, I get why people, are, some people are just now seeing this, but some of us who have been watching him for a couple of years have been trying to say, listen, this player's always been there. It's just a matter of would it, would it blossom, really? And it's just now kind of starting to happen. And I think it's a neat thing. And I also think it was a neat thing for Tennessee that it scored 87 points while only going to the free throw line three times. And I think it's a good thing that Tennessee scored 87 points and nobody scored more than 14 points. And Tennessee scored 87 points uh, with 28 of the 36 buckets being assisted. If that's not Tennessee basketball, I don't I don't know what is. That is that is offense the way Rick Barnes wants it played. Uh, and when his offense executes at the level it's supposed to, and they make shots, and you see all that movement, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's just it's not consistent. So we'll see if they can get there now. But there's also more to discuss, Ben. There's a couple more things. Uh, Tennessee will be adding to the roster sooner than expected. Uh, I don't know if that's going to make an impact on the floor this season, but it could be a huge deal for next season, and it's a good thing for Tennessee most likely. Uh, And there's a couple other things to discuss. We'll discuss this weekend's trip uh, to South Carolina, maybe a quick rundown of how things are going in the SEC, lots of other things to discuss. But before we do that, we're a little bit overdue for a break, so let's go pay some bills, listen to products, services, et cetera, and then come right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Bort, Fort Rucker Studio. Did I say Bort Rucker Studio? Is that a thing? Are we in an alternate universe here? Regardless, Wes coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben coming to you from Ben McKee's house down there. We're talking Tennessee basketball in this episode. We'll have more football later in the week and beyond and all of that good stuff. But right now, we are talking basketball where Tennessee is ranked eighth nationally and probably uh, quickly to move up after Texas gave up about 150 million points last night in a home loss to Kansas State. So we got a lot to discuss, and we'll get back to it uh, after this quick suggestion request from our end, if you will. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, please, please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. Almost no complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see at church uh, over the weekend. Tell people that you see, um, you know, if you're playing golf. It's 60 degrees out here in January. You're out there playing golf. Tell people you see at the golf course. Tell people you see at the driving range. Tell people you see walking your dog. Tell people you see out at lunch. Tell people that you see um, in other places on the Internet. Tell just anyone that you see that you think is a Tennessee fan. Say, hey, you're a Tennessee fan. I'm a Tennessee fan. I like this Go Vols 24-7 podcast, and I think you would like the Go Vols 24-7 podcast too. You never know. That might be your new best friend. That might change your life. You never know. Karma, pay it forward. Uh, what you give will come back to you tenfold. Believe that. Believe that. If you're already doing all that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. Tennessee's basketball roster is about to get a little bit bigger at some point this month uh, with with big news and other reclassification. Tell us what you know about uh, about Freddie Buckets uh, maybe joining the fold a year early here for Tennessee. Yeah, it's 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 huge for Tennessee. He, he will be here this month. Uh, I, I don't know an exact date uh, I, I don't know when students come back to school quite frankly but but I would assume that that's that's when Freddie uh, de Leon I believe that's how you pronounce his last name that that's when he will uh, arrive at Tennessee and he will not play this season he will not play the, this is a decision to to allow him to enroll early just the way that the football team is um, Nico Iamaliava coming in, trying to get used to things, get a leg up. Uh, I, I think Joe Milton's won the job <laughs> at this point. Uh, no matter what Josh Heupel or, or, or the coaches have said, my, yeah, he, I, I, it might be good for them to, to wait until uh, spring, uh, until preseason camp. Uh, make sure that you get through all the uh, portal windows for the next couple of uh, couple of times, and then maybe say just to be sure. But yeah. Correct. And, and Nico's not leaving, no. uh, but you, you never know with Taven Jackson. But uh, my point being that similar to how Nico's coming in, trying to, to get a head start and all the other million early enrollees, th- this is basketball. Just just a little bit different because uh, basketball doesn't start until uh, – games don't start until November. Uh, practice, though, starts in, in September, if not before that. And, and Rick Barnes has talked – 
about how they practice too much and, and they don't play enough games. I mean, they 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 start practicing uh, two, three, four weeks after the NCAA tournament yeah. ends. Yeah, if, they they can do they sooner. can do like they can do like eight hours a week or something, then twenty hours a week. Yeah, yeah they can do a lot of stuff. They practice a ton. I, I don't think people realize how much basketball and, and baseball how much they they practice it, it is a ton for basketball over the summer uh and then obviously getting into the fall semester and, and then before you know it you, you're really ramping up practice there in in september at some point so this is something that freddie approached tennessee about uh and, and something that he and his family wanted to do so that they could go ahead and and get on campus and they they can start working with Garrett Medenwall from a nutritional standpoint and from a weight room standpoint. So his body is going to be absolutely where it needs to be by the time he would originally uh, arrive on campus. And, and then he's going to go through the scout team, be be a key part of the scout team for the rest of this uh, season. And that will obviously serve him well uh, because he, he will know theoretically the system inside and out like the back of his hand as they do get into the next season and he was already going to be asked to play a, a large role mm-hmm. next season because you're probably losing Josiah Jordan James you're, you're probably losing Santiago Vescovi Tyreek Key will be out of eligibility uh, and, and who knows what else may happen in today's day and age of, of college basketball at this point I think Julian Phillips will be back, but you you just never know. You're not you can't uh, say that for sure. Yeah, but but and I, yeah, but 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 it you can probably say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 has the potential to to be an NBA draft pick this year, but I I do I don't I don't know where stock is. I don't I don't know if it's where it was at the beginning of the season. Uh, so I, I think that he would be back at this point, but you you just never know. Um, so you you were going to rely on Freddie. DeLeon quite a bit next year a because you need to b because he is very very talented he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and and play right away when next season when it is his turn so this is just them trying to get a a kickstart on his journey he is going to be a guy that gets drafted one day I I don't know if he's one and done or or two and done I, I would be surprised if he ends up being here probably three years I think that would be surprising but hey nobody knew that Josiah would be here for four years and and I don't think Josiah's coming back but technically he has that free year of eligibility he, he could be back for a fifth year N- nobody saw that with, with him being a five-star coming out of high school but th- this is going to give him a, a kickstart on his career he, he should be a well-oiled machine so to speak when, when next season begins and uh, he's going to be one of Tennessee's best most important players and I, I think it's huge for Tennessee as well because you're you're, you're losing all of those guys but right now you don't really have a ton of true point guard depth. But next season, now you're looking at a, a Freddie DeLeon who who has quite a bit of not necessarily game experience, but uh, Tennessee basketball experience, uh, if you want to call it that. He, he has a ton of that uh, before he ever plays his, his first game. He knows the culture. He, he knows how everything operates. He, he knows what game day looks like. He knows what practice looks like. Uh, he, he knows his teammates. He, he knows the assistant coaches. He, he just knows everything there is to know about Tennessee basketball. Uh, so it's going to be great for him, and, and it's going to be great for Tennessee because you, I have to remind myself that Zakai Ziegler is only a sophomore, and uh, he, he's already one of the best guards, point guards in the SEC, and uh, you, you know that he's going to be a, a very 
well-rounded basketball player as a junior as well. So you're looking at a a point guard situation, and and I'm assuming that Freddie does play point guard. I, I know two four seven lists him as a, yeah, a combo guard. I think it'll be. I mean, we'll we'll see. It'll be one of those deals where he gets there, and then they see is he more of a pure point or is he kind of a combo guy. I think they'll they'll figure that out when he gets there, probably. Yeah, and I would probably say that he's more like Santiago Vescovi when, when Santi arrived, more so than uh, Zakai, who is without a doubt a bona fide true point guard. And, yeah. and Santi arrived as a point guard, but I, I think we all quickly learned that he's better off the ball, uh, but obviously can still handle the ball. So we'll, we'll see. But just for the sake of making the point, I mean, if, if you have Freddie DeLeon with, with all of what he's about to go through under his belt before he ever plays his first game paired with a junior Zakai Ziegler, that, that is a, a really, really good situation to be walking into for next season. Yeah. I think we had, we, we had some of the breaking news podcast back when he committed. And at the time there was a discussion on, was it, was it Freddie DeLeon or was it Freddie DeLeone? And I think it may have been DeLeone. I'm not positive about that, but regardless at the time we learned that people started calling him Freddie buckets. So we just decided from that point on, he would just be Freddie buckets because it's just easier to say Freddie Buckets, and it's fun. Just try to say it, Freddie Buckets. It sounds fun. Uh, But this is a young man who rose from 152nd nationally to 27th nationally in a hurry. This kid flew up the rankings, absolutely soared up the rankings when people saw just how much there was to his game. And I think when you look at that Tennessee class, and I'll always kind of think of Freddie Buckets as a 24-class guy, even if he comes in a year early because he was originally kind of put in that class. And if you look at him, you know, you look at, you know, J.P. Estrella, you look at those guys, you're, you're, you're looking at two of the fastest risers in the class, period, right? Like people talk about the Bama, Bama bump in football. What about maybe the Tennessee bump in basketball because of all these three stars that Rick Barnes has turned into guys that look like four and five stars end up playing professionally. Uh, when Tennessee takes some of these guys, they go, whoa, whoa, hey, let's take another look at this guy. And these guys just have been flying up the rankings. And this young man is one of the best guards in in America. And his ability to score when he needs to, I mean, he's a guy to me that I've heard people say about him, and I've seen it just a little bit, but I've much more heard this. He could go out there and score 25-plus points per game if he wanted to, if he just really wanted to score, because when he wants to score, he scores. Um, But he's been really careful about kind of making sure everybody gets involved. He's been trying to get assists, rebounds, kind of be an all-around point guard and kind of direct things. And he's really rapidly improving in that area of his game too because he can go out there and score whenever he wants usually. We'll see if that's it's that way at the college level. But usually he can go out there and just get buckets when he needs them. That's why he's Freddie Buckets. Hashtag Freddie Buckets. But he is a kid who, if nothing else, before he plays a game at Tennessee, he will have been able to spend 10 months getting yelled at by Rick Barnes. And that's a lot better than going into your first game having Rick Barnes yell at you for like three months. That's a much, much, much different deal. When you get to go through the back end, the business end of a season, you get to kind of go through the postseason stuff. Like he'll just get to sit there and soak in all of that stuff. So that's not going to like, that's not going to mean it's impossible that he has any kind of stage fright the next season, but it definitely reduces the risk. Because you, you're a guy who now you've seen it with your own eyes. You've experienced it. You've seen your teammates go through it. You've kind of felt that by osmosis, kind of felt that pressure and what it's like. And to step in to a, a, a big ball-handling role as a freshman, having that kind of experience is huge, huge for Tennessee. 
Um, because you know, the, there's going to be not just in terms of, of, of like, not just in terms of, of backcourt guys, but we know, as Ben said, we know Josiah probably gone. We know Santi probably gone. I think the most interesting one to watch is probably Olivier Kumwa because I think he probably should come back. But, you know, if he wants to go play ball somewhere, then he's like, I'm going to have my degree. I want to go play ball. You can't say that's wrong. I think we all imagine that Plavsic will come back and take his extra season because why wouldn't he? I think Urush is going to be at Tennessee for 37 years. But to me, Kumwa's a big one because he could really emerge as a as a leader for Tennessee moving forward. Because without Josiah out there and without Santi out there, they're going to need another leader. And Olivia Kumwa is one of the best communicators on the team and one of the smartest guys on the team too. And his ability, like Barnes has said that from Olivier's freshman year, his just ability to sit there and communicate with his teammates while on the floor is really good. And we get those great seat spin for every game until they do what everybody else does and kick us up to the rafters. We still get a pretty good view of the court. And when they're out there on defense, it's really loud, but you can still hear Olivier come while talking. He's a guy who communicates all the time, just like Josiah Jordan-James does. Those guys are so important to a team. But if Olivier decides to go, then you're having a pretty large vac, you know, leadership vacuum kind of open up on the team. We know Zakai Ziegler will, will kind of be one of those guys. Uh, we'll see what happens with Julian Phillips if he, if he becomes a bit more talkative. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, Jonas Adu, don't know if he's got, got that personality. Jemai Meshack, don't know if that's kind of his personality either. He may be more of a lead-by-example guy. Getting Freddie Buckets in here early – just maybe helps you head off so many things at the past because he's another guy who's going to have an important role regardless as a freshman. So if he if his teammates know him, if he knows the system, if he if he and Rick Barnes understand each other, it's going to make that process a whole lot easier for everybody. It absolutely will, and that's why it was it was such a great development for Tennessee that he's coming in early, and it's great for for him on a individual level uh, as well. And, and I really like this freshman class that, that Tennessee is, is bringing in. You, you mentioned the, the fast risers with uh, Freddie and uh, JT, JP Estrella, but Cameron Carr uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, a guard really that, fast riser uh, is the most recent commit. Yes. He, he fits that same vein and, and has really risen uh, through, through the rankings and, uh, Freddie's just really, really talented. I mean, he's practically a five-star in our rankings. He's as close to being a five-star as you can get without being uh, a five-star. And uh, th- this will increase expectations for him. Uh, th- I think expectations were already going to be pretty pretty high uh, because of how talented he is uh, as a prospect and how big of an opening there will be for playing time next season. And also – in today's day and age of the transfer portal, who, who knows what Tennessee is going to be able to to bring in? Uh, you know they're probably going to bring in, uh, I'd say on average, two players a year. I think that would be yeah. ideal. Uh, but in, in years when you're going to lose as as many players as it appears they're, they're going to lose this offseason, um, I mean, you could be looking at a situation where they're bringing in four true freshmen and also – three or four transfers. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that uh, plays out. But th- this absolutely increases the expectations for, for Freddie because you're, I, I at least am going to have the expectation that he's going to be ready to play from the jump now. And and that's not me saying that, oh, he needs to, to be SEC freshman of the year or, or national freshman of the year. But I expect him to be productive and, and be a key piece 
of the team from the opening tip next season. I, I really do, A, because he's that talented, B, because he's going to be here for 10 months, like you mentioned. So th- this is absolutely huge for him personally and, and for Tennessee as well. In terms of the leadership standpoint, I know that you're not saying that you're worried about it next year, uh, but just to, to, to emphasize what I, I – I think that you were also getting at is that the, the leadership's going to be fine ne- next year. You, they have, you're never they have a culture. Have to, yeah, they have a culture there. Correct. And, and there's enough guys coming back as well. You know, Zakai's going to be a great leader. Olivier, I would think that he's bad, but you're right. He could potentially decide, hey, I'm just going to go play basketball and, and not worry about school. He has been in school for a while now. Um, but I, I, I think that he's a guy that would return, but you, you just never know. I, I certainly don't think he's going to be drafted by the NBA or something. We're, we're talking about a situation where he would go play overseas. And uh, you, look, you can still make nice coin and not have to worry about school and, and, and not not have to worry yeah. about Rick Barnes See the world. yelling at you yeah. a, a, every day. And uh, obviously his family is not here in the United States, so he, he can get back closer to home as well. Those are a lot of factors that I don't, I don't think people really take into consideration off the cuff. But uh, the point that I was going to bring up with Olivier, and I did agree with everything you said before our uh, break, uh, he, he's a terrific basketball player. His problem is that he's not consistent. If he can find consistency, he's an all-SEC level player. Uh, and he does he does need to have better hands, as you just awkwardly and weirdly motioned to me over Zoom. What, did you think I was trying to honk your horn there? Not my horn. Uh, maybe a little Deshaun Watson there for you, but uh, he needs to find a, a, a new level of uh, consistency uh, and also be more consistent uh, in terms of catching the basketball. But but that also that off the cuff, just thinking off the top of my head, that doesn't really feel like it's been that much of an, an issue uh, this season for him in terms of just not catching the basketball in, in the post. At least it hasn't been the last couple of games. In but traffic, he's a really his, great bas- his, his hands are great when, when he's not in traffic. When he's in traffic is when they let him down sometimes. Yeah, and, and I wonder if it's more he's thinking too much of what he needs to do next when he catches the basketball than him just having bad hands, if if that makes sense. Because that, that's always been what, what Rick has talked about with Olivier is that he's not consistent because he thinks too much. He he either puts the ball on the floor after he catches it when, when he shouldn't or, or he, he shoots when he should make the pass. He, he always thinks too much and he's second-guessing himself and he's always playing – uh, a step behind more than he should because his brain is is working too fast. But uh, he he's an all SEC level player when he's playing at his full potential. And the key to playing at his full potential is is finding that level of consistency. That to me is his biggest problem. If he finds that, he he's golden, absolutely golden. I mean, he he can be a preseason all SEC player next year and uh, finish on the all SEC team next year as well if he can find that. But the point that I was going to bring up is. I I think he's in that same conversation as Josiah that that we were talking about earlier in terms of being an an on the floor coach. You, you go to practice and Olivier is talking great talking. as much as anybody out there, and, and it's not just talking for the sake of communicating. Like all basketball coaches have been telling us since we were playing middle school basketball or or, or rec league basketball. You know, obviously it's important to communicate in basketball. He he is a, a coach uh, out, out there on the floor and he's not afraid to get on to his teammates. He, he corrects his teammates in a, in a respectable way. Uh, he, he's picking the brain of Rick Barnes. He, he's asking questions. If he doesn't understand, he's trying to explain to his teammates what he needs to do. Uh, so when you, when you have Olivier and 
uh, Zakai coming back. You have Jemai Meshack, who is also a, a leader and will be a much bigger leader in the future when he's an upperclassman. I mean, those three guys alone right there are – I mean, that that can absolutely be the, the spear of your leadership on the team. And, and Tobey Awaka, he's going to be a guy too, kind of like Grant Williams, who uh, maybe doesn't talk as much as a Zakai, but he's also going to be a leader the next several seasons. And who knows – who, who can have a leadership impact as a true freshman uh, or, or again, what transfers they bring in or, or how Jonas Adu's uh, going to develop. So I, I feel good about the leadership going into next season, uh, despite them appearing to, to be on the verge of losing quite a bit. Yeah. I'll add a couple things before we get out of here. One, I, I think we, Cade Phillips was the only uh, commitment or signee, I guess that, that we did not mention specifically. Uh, I love his physicality. Uh, that that guy, in terms of of being a an all around player, about certainly a, with that perimeter shooting touch, there are things about his game that need to evolve. Um, but this kid, first off, he's a Bama legacy, but wanted to come to Tennessee, which is I think a, a big deal. And secondly, you're talking about a kid who's rated 133 overall in the composite, and a kid who at six nine is is built uh, and is absolutely fearless uh, around uh, the paint. Uh, this guy will absolutely throw it down right in your face and try to block you at the rim too. There's a physical nature to his game, which I think is is a really nice, probably a really nice compliment with Estrella, to be honest, because they're different kinds of big men. And I think that that could be a nice combination for Tennessee moving forward. And the other thing, uh, before we step out of here, we probably do need to discuss, first off in the SEC, it's early, um, but you can certainly see right now some of the teams that we thought were going to be good look like they're going to be pretty good. Uh, Kentucky is is not what we thought. A lot of us thought it might be. Uh, it's a work in progress. We'll see if Cal gets that where it needs to be at the end of the season. Um, but certainly Alabama looks really, really good. Uh, you know, Auburn, maybe not as great as it has been, but but certainly still looks good. Arkansas uh, still is a team that potentially could win the league. There's a lot of talent there, and Musselman's always been a good coach. Uh, so there's lots to look out for there. Also, you know, LSU maybe being a, a little bit better than some of us thought it might be. There, there There's a lot of teams in the league uh, to keep an eye on. One of them uh, is probably not Tennessee's next opponent. South Carolina is 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Obviously, Frank Martin is no longer the coach there, which means that we can't listen to Rick Barnes do his twice-a-year uh, you know, Ted talk on how much he loves Frank Martin. Um, but now uh, there is a new coach there. They are, they are in a transition period. Uh, they are 6-0 at home, so so they've not lost at their arena this season. So Tennessee will have to be the first team uh, to beat them at their home this season, uh, which has not been a huge problem for Tennessee in the past, but but you never know. Uh, that's a team that's 7-7, seven and seven, a team Tennessee probably should take care of. But you know what, uh, Benjamin? We said the same thing about football, and we know how that ended. So go to Columbia with your hard hat on and get ready to take care of business, I, I would suggest. Absolutely. Uh, I, I would be very surprised if if Tennessee loses. Uh, they, they have uh, no business uh, losing to this South Carolina team. Uh, they, they are uh, one of the the worst teams in the league right now, and I don't I don't know what Lamont Paris is is going to be there. Uh, he was terrific at UTC. I, I loved watching his UTC teams, and, and UTC was one of the best stories uh, in in basketball. Uh, last season that uh, they obviously had a terrific uh, NCAA tournament game. I, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to recruit, which is big at South Carolina because there's always at least one in-state player coming out of there every single season. Uh, that is an elite talent. And this past cycle, it was Gigi Jackson, the, the number one overall player 
in the country, depending on where you looked. Uh, a guy that's already one of the best players uh, in the country, one of the best freshmen in the country. Brandon Miller at, at Alabama uh, is getting the, the most talk right now for, for freshmen. But Gigi Jackson is is right there with Brandon Miller, but he's forgotten about because obviously Alabama's good right now. South Carolina uh, is not. But th- there's just not a whole lot for, for Tennessee to, to, to worry about in, in this basketball game, quite frankly. The, the biggest – challenges is going on the road um but they, they don't have anybody that should beat tennessee uh with the way that they're playing defense right now and, and and the way that it appears they're on the verge of a really clicking consistently offensively uh and gg jackson's the only player that that i would be concerned about if, if i'm tennessee obviously the the players and the coaches aren't going to adopt the mindset that i'm currently uh speaking to but just from a media perspective or even fans out there looking at this game. I mean, this is a game Tennessee should easily win by, by double digits. I mean, it's Lamont's first season that there is a huge talent issue aside from Gigi Jackson. Uh, one of the reasons Frank Martin was fired was because of, of uh, his struggles in recruiting d- despite making a final four. So uh, this is a game Tennessee should win by double digits. It, the biggest challenge of this game is, is simply – uh, going on the road, and uh, th- this game is all about what Tennessee does. D- does Tennessee show up ready to play? And if they do, uh, they-, they probably win by twenty or, or so. And-, and we've seen this too throughout the years, Ben. As we've both covered this program now, I guess me a little bit longer because I'm old. But you know, we've both covered this program for for long enough to know these things. That as Tennessee's profile has sort of been reborn, you know, in, in basketball. The Vols have become a bigger, bigger ticket item on the road. You 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 take a top five, top ten ranking into games. Opponents are going to fill their gyms or come close, and they're going to bring a level of noise that they don't often bring throughout the season. Kentucky's had this issue for years, right? And that's one of the reasons why a lot of times Kentucky, by the time the postseason starts historically, is in is in really good shape because Kentucky has spent a year uh, playing. You know what? Two, like what a third of their games in neutral places and then a third at Rupp Arena which is crazy but then a third you know a crazy environment and then a third of their games on the road where they are absolutely hated every single place they go and they're a Super Bowl when they go on the road so they get that hostility from from opposing fans and then they get a hard time and they get opponents best shots Tennessee's not at that level but Tennessee is getting higher and higher on those lists when Tennessee goes on the road now we've been to a lot of places and watched Tennessee play games people come out for these games and people are in their face. People are loud. People like beating this team because it's really good for your resume and it's really good for the local fans and their pride too. So expect a lot of uh, hostility certainly in that game. It's a three thirty game. Uh, it's not a night game, but you know, Tennessee, not the most popular team in Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, the, the, you're, you're going to see some, some noise there and also a fair amount of orange. Will we? Yeah. Oh yeah. Every, every time Tennessee goes there, there is, it's every time Tennessee goes to, to to Columbia to play a basketball game, I'm struck by two things. One, how much more orange there is in the arena than I expected, and I need to stop being surprised at that. Um, and secondly, how uh, hostile the uh, the fans that are there are toward Tennessee. So uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a nice, it, it's good for Tennessee. It gets you ready for the postseason. I really believe that. Well, if it is a true road hostile environment, then yes, absolutely, it will prepare Tennessee uh, for the postseason. But 
I'll believe it when I see it. And, and I'm and I'm talking in regards to this particular basketball team. I, I know South Carolina has a, a pretty nice fan base and they show up and, and they show out, but uh, there, there's not a lot of reasons to be excited about this particular team at the moment. First it's, year coach, it's, it's still a top, still it's still to, a top eight, top seven team coming to your backyard. I, I don't, I don't think that they necessarily care. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong on Saturday and I'm not saying it's going to be empty, but I, I also don't know that it's going to be one of the tougher environments that, that Tennessee has, has played in. I, I, I am honestly, I'm discrediting how interested South Carolina is in basketball at the moment. Uh, I, I, I really am. And, and again, it's a, sh- maybe and it's a shame because Gigi is such a fantastic talent. It's a shame. Correct. But it, it, I mean, they haven't been fun to watch the last several seasons and first year head coach is still trying to fill them out. Uh, and, and even, even with Gigi, they're, they're not very talented uh, this season, not, not very good uh, at all. So I, I'm, I'm not saying the arena is going to be empty and it's going to be a ghost town or anything, but they're, they're all about some Shane Beamer right now, and rightfully so. And, and even naturally, I, I think if all three sports were clicking at the same time, basketball is coming in third behind football and baseball. Uh, that, that, that's the, the pecking order, uh, no, no pun intended, uh, over there with, with the Gamecocks. They, they care about oh. baseball more. They, they care about football more. And right now those two sports are, are rocking and rolling, and basketball – uh, is is not so it's still a road game on the sec in the sec but it, it's not gonna be one of the toughest road games that tennessee has played in no this season, I, i'm, I'm in just saying opinion. i think it'll be louder than it normally is for a game there because the top 10 teams in town i also think that we're gonna see uh shane beamer probably in the crowd and uh and getting you know definitely, the, definitely gonna troll if they have any any trolling bones in their body they they will do, they do that. They will do that. But you know who else will be there? Will be uh will be Ben and will be me and we will be there. We will have coverage for you from there. Uh, we'll see with timing. Uh, it, it's hard sometimes on the road to know if you got to travel back if you can if you have time to cut and edit a pod. I don't know. I can't make any promises on that front yet. We will try certainly. I can promise you an effort. I don't know if we'll be able to get it done before they kick us out of the arena because not everyone is as accommodating as Tennessee is with uh, time uh, at the facilities after games. So uh, we'll see how all that goes. But we we know we'll be there. We'll have coverage. And uh, at the very latest, you'll hear from us about it on Monday, but uh, it might be before then. So uh, until then, Ben, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Maybe we could squeeze out a, a road trip pod while we're, we're driving back. We, we, not only we do have we do have the cordless. We do have the cordless, uh, you know, whatever they are, lavalier mics or whatever. We have those. That, that is true. Now, now I will say we're going to have to, to, to listen to, to the to the great Mike Keith and the Titans radio broadcast as Josh Dobbs tries to get the Titans into the playoffs on, on Saturday night during our, our ride back. But we, we can still probably uh, squeeze in a, a road pod, a, a true yeah. road pod, pod while we're driving. And if you rent a uh, Dodge Charger like uh, like Pat Brown did in uh, in Miami, uh, we might also be hearing the sound of the engine during the podcast. <laughs> so we, well, or, or the well, sound, or, or, or the or we, uh, when, when I saw Pat was getting the Charger, I was like, well, this is going to be at least one tr- uh, speeding citation over the next four days, so or five days. So well, he didn't even get a Charger; he had a Challenger. Oh, that's right. It was a challenger, which, wasn't it? It was. Which the, well, I'm not. I'm pointing it out because Pat didn't know until he was dropping his wife and me off at the airport uh, the the morning after the football game. He, he didn't even know the difference between a, a charger and challenger and, until he the just, day that he, he just told me it was, was a charger. Leaving. He told me it was a charger, so I believed him. So what do you know? He he's. Well, I also don't know that you left your hotel room outside of a uh, football stuff for 
an entire week. So well, first that, off, probably, I know, I know I've been to Miami probably 10 times in my life. I love that city, but, uh, with everything that we've been through with Hank for the past couple months, with all the surgeries and everything, uh, and him being up at night, uh, when I was given a, a week in a hotel or whatever, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sleep and it's going to be so great. And, uh, that's what I did. Uh, I got some sleep in and look at me now. I look like a million bucks. Do I not look like yeah. a, like a refresh, like a recharged, like just a, I just I'm glowing here. I got a, I got, I got my my thoughts back. I got I'm restored, and reinvigorated. Look at these, che- look at these I rosy cheeks. Look at these rosy cheeks, man. I feel great. Strongly disagree that that you look like a million bucks. And the last thing that I'll say is remember, Wes, that the arena may kick you out, but also your drive and and your your partner who you're riding with. The the train is going to depart at some point as well. So you don't want to just work until the work is done. Uh, the work will be done before I, I leave, but I, I won't be tweeting out my photo at 3.17 a.m. Uh, when, when we have a four-hour drive back over the mountains. Hey, man, you, if uh, if you, you, those moments are cool because you're in the arena by yourself and you can uh, you can you can see kind of hey by the way this I, I love those at Neyland especially because it's like there were a hundred billion people here today and now it's just me and I'm I'm just the one here and I take the picture and it's like it's kind of neat I I, I enjoy it's a, it. it is a really it is a really cool feeling when that that is one of my favorite parts of the job is being in a stadium or arena after the fact after some big time sporting event has taken place and and after all the people have left it, it's a so a weird feeling, but a cool feeling when you're kind of sitting in an arena by yourself. And we'll see if we get that feeling again on Saturday, Ben. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wesley. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, 
you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.